We are uh, looking at the idea of experiencing God this year. And uh, one of the blockers I've seen for many people in experiencing God is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. The bitterness that comes from either hanging on to a grudge or not being able to receive forgiveness. There's giving forgiveness and there's receiving forgiveness. And a lot of times we're bad at both. And a lot of times we're really bad at forgiving ourselves. Because when you forgive yourself, you're both the giver and the receiver. And so if you're bad at it, you're really bad at it normally with yourself. And so I wanted to talk about it because I think it's a major blocker for a lot of people experiencing God, but it's also a major opportunity for a lot of people to experience God if they start to understand forgiveness. I was excited last year, one of my favorite authors, Dr. Timothy Keller, wrote a book called Forgiveness. Why should I and how can I? And so uh, I got that book, and I've been holding on to it. In the last week, I got to dive into it a little bit to start thinking about this idea of forgiveness. So this week, we're going to talk about kind of the theory of forgiveness, sort of why. But then next week, we're going to do the practice of forgiveness, really how. You know, for much of the world, forgiveness is like an impossible idea. In the ancient world, there was really no idea of forgiveness. In Greek philosophy, the word pardon actually just meant to like let somebody off the hook, right? It was, it was like you, you could pardon, you could forgive someone if you decided it was an accident or if they couldn't help it. But the idea that they could help it, they did something to you on purpose and wounded you, and then you forgive them anyway, totally like, that's like a pretty foreign idea in not only the ancient world, but even really to this day. Okay, even to this day when there's, there's a shooting at an Amish school, and then the Amish come out and say, we forgive you. Like, people go nuts. They don't know how to handle forgiveness like that. So it's true in the ancient world. It's true to this day. In the ancient world, the idea for most people was in the Latin called lex talionis. Lex talionis, or the law of retaliation. It's normally pronounced something like this. An eye for an eye. An eye for an eye. Or we would say this today. We would say the punishment must fit the crime. So if... If you steal something, I can't put you to death for that, right? The idea is that the, the punishment is supposed to be roughly equivalent to the damages that are done. But you understand that also means they have to be equivalent to the damages that have done. And so we live in a culture that's really about justice, what they call justice, but a lot of times it's actually vengeance. Like I don't just want to make it even. I want to get back the damage that was done for me from the initial offense. All that changed is the Jewish people started to have, yeah, they, the Old Testament says an eye for an eye, but it was really said as a limiting factor for judgment. There are all kinds of things in the Old Testament where you get this idea of forgiveness. But then comes along Jesus. And Jesus blows this concept completely out of the water to the point that he's being crucified on a cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, right? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus takes this forgiveness to the extreme. And there's one particular place. I'm going to be in Matthew 18 if you want to turn there or grab it on your phone. Matthew 18, Jesus is asked by Peter a question about like, hey, is there like a limit to this forgiveness? And then he's going to tell a parable that's going to blow everybody's idea of forgiveness out of the water and going to teach us today a lot about forgiveness. So I'm in Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? 
as many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. While he began to settle, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his, his master ordered him uh, to be sold, uh, ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had in payment, be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of, of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the ser- same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned him, owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience on me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had take, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Then you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Peter's like, okay, Jesus, forgiveness, I get it. Maybe like seven times, you know? Seven's like the perfect number. It's like a holy, the, the, the even number, maybe seven. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Seventy times seven. No, no, that's not like 40, 490. So listen, when you get home and your spouse does something, you can't just like start checking. When you get to 490, stop. Okay, this is hyperbole. It's the perfect number times the perfect number. It's infinity. To infinity belong to, to, and beyond, to the moon and back again forever and ever, this is hyperbole, it means you can never stop forgiving your brother. And then Jesus tells this parable. Now the key to, to understanding this parable is you got to understand the money that's involved here. Okay, and here's what we do, because we have dollars, we make everything a dollar. Okay, when we read the Bible, everybody's like, well, it's like $10,000, and then this guy owes like $12 or $1,200, or, okay, you understand, in the ancient world, it wasn't like that. These words are for sums of money. So you got to understand the money to understand the parable. Okay, now, uh, when, when we say a talent, does that sound like a big number or a small number? You think that's a big number or a small number? It's a huge number, everybody. It's a huge number. So let me, let me try to break this down for you. A talent is about 20 years' wages for an average worker. About 20 years' wages for an average worker. So if we take an average worker for today at like thirty dollars to $40,000, average worker, like day worker, times that times 20 years, that's one talent. This person owes how many talents? Like 10,000 talents. When you do the math, it's about six to eight billion dollars, modern day times. Okay? So, is it a big number? Yeah, it's a ridiculous number. Do you know how dumb you have to be to be six billion dollars in debt? Okay? When, when you, you can only be a country and do that. Anyway, you. 
to be like, do you know how ridiculously dumb you have to be? Do you know how wild you have to be as a king or as a master to let one of your servants waste six to eight billion dollars? When Jesus said that many talents, everybody in the crowd gasped. That's impossible. Six to eight billion dollars. And yet this man begs and he pleads. And the master, who, who has already loaned and wasted six to eight billion dollars, forgives the debt. You understand the parable so far? This is crazy. Who forgives that debt? Okay, who forgives that debt? That is wild. Now he goes out. All the servants have got to be talking about this. And then when he goes out and he sees somebody else who owes him a hundred denarii. Well, does that sound like a big number or a small number? It's a small number. A denarii is about one day's wage for the average worker. You calculate this out. It's about a $12,000 debt. Okay? He got forgiven six to eight billion dollars. And then he goes out and he sees somebody who owes him 12 grand. And he starts choking them to demand the dollars. Everybody see how ridiculously crazy this is. You've got to understand the crazy to understand. You got forgiven about $8 billion. You walk out $12,000. You start choking somebody and sending them to jail. And that's always crazy. In the ancient world, they would throw you in jail until you could pay off the debt. How much debt you paying off from jail? Like your family has to come in and try to pay the debt. You can't pay the debt. Normally, if you got into that kind of debt, you're in jail forever. You can't get out because you could never pay it back because you're not earning. You're in jail. When word gets back to the king, what does he do? Calls him the carpet. I just forgave you that much, and now you're choking somebody else? Okay, well, now you're in jail. Now you're going to jail. And, and if you owed six to eight billion dollars, and you got to be in jail until you pay that back, how long are you going to be in jail? You're never getting out. That's a death sentence. Okay, you're never getting out. Everybody see the extreme natures of this parable. Okay, now, let's unpack a little bit about forgiveness out of this parable. What is forgiveness? That's always a tough question. What do you actually define it as? I think this parable may give us the best way to define forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgiving a debt. Forgiving what you are owed. There's a call to the cart. Like the servant is brought in. He is called for the money. What does the king do? He takes pity on the man and he forgives him what he owes, and he sends him out in peace. He actually blesses him. Um, to forgive is to give up a debt. Cancel what you owed. Now, sometimes in life, you're actually owed something, right? Somebody stole from you, and it's owed back. But a lot of times in life, it's not actually a financial transaction. How often do we say, I really, well, you know what I need from that person? Is for them to apologize. I want them to understand the pain that they put me through. I want them to understand the pain so they never do it again. And so we're owed something. We're owed an apology. We're owed, uh, we're owed uh, uh, recognition. We're owed acknowledgement. We're owed justice. Right? We're owed something. To forgive is to yield what you owe. Okay? To, to, to forgive is to give it up. My dad says it this way. He says, forgiving is giving up your right to be angry. I love that. 
Forgiving is giving up your right to be angry. Okay, I don't need to be angry anymore. I'm yielding that. I'm giving up what I'm owed. I'm giving up what I think I should be given. That's what it means to forgive. Now, of course, that costs you. Right? In the, in the story, the king, it costs him six to eight billion dollars to do that. Forgiveness always is a cost because you're owed that. You may, you, you may be owed that. That's true. But forgiving says, I don't, I'm going to yield what I am owed. This is a pretty wild idea from Jesus. The costliness of this forgiveness. I mean, that's the greatest, the greatest character in this parable is by far this leader, this king, this master, who is gracious enough to let somebody get that far in debt. Like, do you know how much leash you got to give somebody to let them mess up that bad? And then to forgive the debt. Of course, Jesus is saying this for a purpose. Because forgiveness for Jesus starts with the fact that we are forgiven. That we owe a debt. Now, now whenever we talk about sin and we talk about about owing a debt, um, you know, what we we typically start to do is we start to, like, compare ourselves, right? Well, at least I didn't murder anybody. At least I didn't do this. At least I didn't do that. So we buy comparison. Like, if, if Jesus is grading on a curve, I'm better than, you know, good percentage. I've done a lot of good stuff, too. It probably kind of... No, no. If the God of the universe is who we say the God of the universe is then if your life isn't totally oriented towards following God's lead, then the stuff you do you shouldn't do and the stuff that you don't do that you should all makes you a, rebel, a rebel. It's rebellion against God. There's separation from God. Probably about, I don't know, $6 billion if I had to calculate it. And I keep moving away from God. Like I keep messing up. It's not like I keep... It, it keeps coming. I owe Jesus this debt. And and I'll tell you how much it costs. The wages of sin is what? Death. And the crazy part of the story is, Jesus pays the debt. The crazy part of the story is, I owe so much, but Jesus goes to the cross for me so that I don't owe that debt anymore. Do you know how crazy loved you are by God that He would do that? Do you know how amazing it is that you are forgiven by God like that? So if somebody hurts your feelings, you got to weigh that out a little bit. <laughs> okay? So far, I'm about $6 billion in the, in the, in the good here. So I need to be... So, so I don't think Jesus is saying that... Like, Jesus has this really harsh end to the parable. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Man, what if we actually took that seriously? I mean, I don't, I don't think that God's forgiveness is based on your actions, right? That wouldn't be a free gift. I don't think it's all based on you better forgive or else God won't forgive you. But if you are truly forgiven by God, that should shape your heart in a way that's, that you start to become a forgiving person. And if you are not a forgiving person, then that is a dangerous place to be. I start to wonder if you've actually received the forgiveness of Jesus at all. Has it changed your heart to make you more forgiving and more kind? Have you really seen how much you needed from Jesus? And so often for us, we are not very good at receiving forgiveness either, particularly from Jesus. How often do we, do we really feel like, okay, when I said good morning saints, good morning sinners, I meant both of those words. 
Do we see ourselves as saints? Do we see ourselves as holy? Do we see ourselves as set apart by God? Or do we keep beating ourselves up? Right? Or do we keep trying to earn God's favor as if it's someday I'm going to be good enough for what God has called me to do? Nope, you won't. That's why it's grace. That's why it's forgiveness. Where does this story, though, lead this servant who is forgiven this giant debt and then he can't, he's like choking somebody out over $12,000 in jail, in prison? And I think it's a pretty good metaphor for bitterness and for when you don't forgive. You end up being in prison. You end up being in jail. Where, where I'm like, I'm, I, how much, it has to have happened to you, right? Somebody wrongs you. Somebody wounds you. How much time do you give that wound? Like how much are you like, oh, that person, right? Every time I see them, oh, like how much of my emotional energy? How much of my time? How much of my focus do I give to the wounds that somebody else gave to me? Which, by the way, I may have a right to do that. Okay? But, but is that person ever going to be sorry? Are they ever going to acknowledge my pain? If they did say, like, if you say, I just want them to say they're sorry and know what they did. But I've been with people who somebody said they were sorry, and they're like, I don't believe them. <laughs> right? I've, been, I've seen people that do that. They're like, like, at what point would the debt be paid? At what point could you say, okay, the debt was this, now it's paid. Most of the time, we don't even have a number. We don't even have a thing. And if we do have a thing, it's really unrealistic. So you end up trapped. And that is not good for your soul, everybody. Um, there's, this great, there's this great quote. I tried to find the origins of this. The earliest I could find it is a guy named Malachi McCourt, who said resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness is like. It's like harming yourself and waiting for them to realize how much they hurt you. Why are you hurting yourself to hurt them? That doesn't make any sense at all. But it is often what we do when we are bitter and when we are unforgiving. But there's a question here. Doesn't the person have to apologize? Don't they have to say they're sorry for me to forgive them? I would say yes and no. I would say in a perfect world, perfect forgiveness is a restoration of relationship, right? That's what Jesus is trying to offer us. So he pays the debt, he takes on the cost, and then we are forgiven so we can be in right relationship with God again. That's the goal. But we don't always live in a perfect world, do we? I'm not guaranteed that that person's going to be sorry. I'm not guaranteed that they're going to pay back. So what I often do is I stay in my own prison. It's fundamentally of my own making. And there's no way out. There is no way out. And I'm harming myself. I'm harming my own soul trying to get back at this person. I want them to be sorry. I want them to acknowledge the problem. I want them to know what happened. I want them to know why. I want to know why. I want to know who started the rumors. I want to know what happened. We aren't always guaranteed the payment. We don't always know the price tag. But here's what we can do. We can forgive. Which means I'll eat the cost. All right, I'm owed that. I forgive. To forgive is to get up, give up the debt. Forgive is to give up my right to be angry. To say, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm, I forgive. I let the debt go. See, I don't need the other person to even do anything for me to do that. 
perfect world, yeah, reconciliation happens. But in an imperfect world, sometimes you got to just say, I forgive you, and let it be. Now, this is the other thing that kills me. People use this phrase all the time. I hear Christians use this phrase, forgive and forget. Have you heard this? Forgive and forget. You may be surprised to know that is not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. There's a couple places that say kind of similar things. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, God will not remember our pardoned sins. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps no record of wrongs. But that's about what I could find. The Bible does not say forgive and forget. Okay? You can forgive and remember everybody. Okay? You can forgive and remember. I can forgive. I can yield the debt. That doesn't mean I trust you anymore. That doesn't mean I'm going to put myself in a place where I have to forgive you some more. Okay? But I don't think the Bible teaches that. Okay? I think you forgive, but I, but I may have learned my lesson, and I'm not going to put myself in that position anymore. Otherwise, you get abusive relationships. And I know Christians that have stayed in relationships that were really abusive because they're like, I'm supposed to forgive and forget. I'm supposed to forgive and forget. Yeah, for right relation, I would, I would love to forgive and forget. But that also takes the other person apologizing and feeling bad and, 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 and being remorseful, and you don't always get that. I don't think you always forgive and forget. I think sometimes I forgive you. I'm going to yield. But I, I'm not going to enable you as, abu- as an abuser and just keep, you know, keep forgiving and keep forgiving and let it go. I'm just not going to do that. I don't think that's what Jesus is calling for. By the way, earliest I can find, let us forgive, is that I can find that phrase, let us forget and forgive injuries. Don Quixote. That's the earliest I can find that phrase, Don Quixote. So if you want to live your life based on Don Quixote, you go ahead. Just stay away from windmills, forgive and forget, all of that. Okay? Honestly, like, I, I don't want to teach forgiveness in a way that keeps you in abusive relationships. Okay, I don't think that's healthy, and I don't think that was what Jesus intended. I can forgive you. I can. Everybody seeing this? I can yield the cost. Okay, you don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me an explanation. I can let it go without the other person. But if I want to restore a relationship, it's got to be both of us. Forgiveness is about freedom. The same freedom that we get given by God should press us into forgiving others. And if you have wronged someone, it should press you to ask forgiveness. We're going to talk more about how next week, because that's the hard part. I am not in any way saying this is easy. I'm saying this is very costly. It costs Jesus a lot. It costs the king in the story a lot. It always costs to forgive. There's always a gain in the freedom that you get. So next week, we're going to talk about how, and particularly how to forgive yourself. But I want to end with this. Do you know how amazingly loved you are to be forgiven by God? Do you really understand, as this is where forgiveness comes from, how much God loves you to have sacrificed so much for you? If you think you can can really understand how forgiven you are and then can be unforgiving to a whole bunch of other people, I'm not quite sure you understand how forgiven you are. Let us be people of forgiveness. And I think if you do, not only are you going to break free from some things that can hold you back from experiencing God, but I actually think in forgiving, 
you get a deeper understanding of how God has forgiven you. There's an experience of God to be had in the process of forgiveness. More on that next week.